Hi, Mel. Hi, Danielle. How are you today? Uh, well, just started to settle a bit, considering that the topic we're talking about today is fairly relevant. Um, but yeah, not too bad, thanks. That's good. That's good. I'm doing fantastic. And so I just want to lead us into what it is that our topic's going to be today. And that is going to be in our new series that we've created called it for the mental health and well-being. And today we are talking stress, what it, what stress is, why we have it, what's the purpose behind it, the impact this has on our daily existence, uh, the consequences of short-term stress and long-term stress, and then some techniques and considerations to have while we're dealing with stress. Now, before we get into this topic fully, I did want to request that all of our listeners like and subscribe to our channel. It helps us get uh, more views from more people because what we're trying to do is spread the word and this really allows us to be put in front of a broader audience. So with that being said, let's talk stress today, Mel. Okay, so um, as we talked before in the introduction to mental health and well-being series, is that mental health in terms of what we experience will exist on the continuum. So people will experience a variety of things like anxiety, stress, panic, and without it meaning that they have any kind of disorder and need to necessarily get treatment for it. Um, but I felt it was important to start with stress because actually Stress often predisposes us to a whole range of health and mental health issues if something is prolonged. So by covering some of the sort of basics of stress today and helping people think about some of the things that helps them cope, in particular with everything that's going on you know, around the world, whatever, uh, I know we've got a lot of listeners in, in the US and we've got them in the UK, mm-hmm. um, you know, and mental health is experienced in lots of different ways, but, you know, it hasn't got boundaries, class or... Uh, race or culture everybody will experience stress on some degree Um, and I think if we talk about stress in in different groups people have generally a good understanding about what that means and how it might affect them but they don't necessarily realize some of the core components of that and some of the things that we can either do once a crisis is sort of out the way because when we're in a crisis it's a different response even though we will look at how the brain responds uh, to stress generally um, so we look at initially what is stress. So for some people, it can feel like a mental state. For uh, uh, state for some, it can feel like a physiological state. For some, it's all sorts of different feelings. But really, it's a state that's defined that when an individual perceives that demands that are placed on them exceed their capacity to cope. So that is a subjective experience about. Um, what they're experiencing in that moment or over the course of those days or over the course of the the months. Um, Things like anxiety, depression and stress is the number one uh, health problem around the globe. And yet only a few people really go and ever seek help or get the right help that they need. And on a later um, edition, when we look at the mental in, in the mental health series, I want to cover the different types of help that's available to help people think about what they might need right now in the moment and what could help them because the support that you get through grief and the support that you get um, in stress 
can be different and do people need different things at different stages of their life journey? Um, so as a general consequence of stress, 40 million workdays are lost every year uh, in the UK every day due to stress. So every day they're reckoned, and my, my paper might be a little bit out of date, but this is still startling figures. 270,000 people per day take time off for stress. Now, I'm talking about the UK. The UK is barely the size of one of your states. Right. So, you know, if you think about in terms of those numbers and multiply that many times, we have got a huge issue generally. Yeah, yeah this, is, this is like category four or five, you know, like this is high need to be evaluated, looked at and, and talked about because everybody is going through some form of stress. Yeah. And the more we can be aware and be thoughtful that everybody's kind of fighting these, um, these same perceived demons, the, the more we're going to get ahead in this process instead of hiding it and saying, no, I'm not stressed. No, I can do this. And, and allowing that, um, that information to come forward so that we can, you know, handle the stress because stress is part of society as we know it now. Mm -hmm. And so how we take on stress is, is a key into how successful we're going to be within ourselves. And then obviously that reflects yeah. into the display around everybody. Well, and, and I think the key point you're making there is people don't realize that, um, that stress itself is a process of, uh, that we have access to as humans that helps us adapt. And yeah. so when things change or when there's a crisis or um, there's an emergency situation, stress is actually what gives us the fuel and power um, to respond in the best way that's needed for that particular time. So if you're a policeman, a firefighter, or um, you know, you're working on the hard line in services, then a certain amount of stress is what gives you the energy and the motivation to, to adapt to that situation. The issue comes in um, is in, in the intermediate, in the short term, the adaptive process and stress itself um, is vital. In the longer term, and there's lots of reasons why it stays longer term, the demands that it places on the body uh, not only affects the mental health, but affects the physical health as well. And so stress is really just created. It's a biological process that gives us uh, what we need to respond initially to emer emergency reaction. And so that's why, you know, we need to normalize that this is a normal process in the body, but it's often about what, what tools that we need to tap into that helps us uh, manage that short-term issue and then, uh, and then longer-term issues. Yeah. Yeah. So on a biological level, when we start to feel stress, um, the fuel reserves in our body are mobilized and sent to the brain and muscles. But also what we find is parts of our body will shut down because the energy is moved away from there. So the body can be at its optimum with the energy res reserves that it's got, which is often the idea of why we carry some fat to some degree. So we've got those reserves, but things like digestive processes slow down. So that's why longer, longer time um, or over the course of longer term, that constant experience of being in stress, we will start to notice that we will have breathing problems, we'll have digestive problems, we'll have sleep problems. Um, 
And so it's really key that when we're thinking about mental health, that we are taking those things into account is what else is it we're experiencing. Um, in terms of um, stress as an adaptive process is once you've been through that stressfully mental cycle, it's then it's a bit like we've talked about before you go to the gym and you have a, you have all these demands placed on your body because you've either been running or rowing and lifting weights. And the body then, it's about how resilient are you in order to cope with the demands that's been placed on you and then recover. And so it's the cycle of uh, demands and then recovery and demand and recovery. And what one of the books that I was reading today, just to sort of catch up on this, is that um, we've, as humans, we've evolved and the, te the technological and the industrial advancements evolved so far that in a way we haven't learned how to adapt enough to be able to cope with the demands that is placed on us on a day-to-day -day basis right. let alone the fact that things like the nine-to-five schedule really is out of date and needs to be reviewed and the, uh, that we need to work with our rhythms in our body rather than the uh, the way that the work is set up and that we need to get better sleep. And so how do we do that? We don't keep the laptop on and have the blue light shining in our eyes because research has showed us this is still stimulating our system. And so we've got overstimulated nervous systems and that's before we even look at the trauma that uh, maybe people have um, experienced that will make them more likely to have uh, or be exposed to things that trigger them more on a day-to-day -day basis. So you haven't right. just got the short-term stress you'll be having with things that already exist within, you know, the psyche or the body of that person. Yeah, that actually makes, um, especially when you're talking about the the blue light effect from having, you know, we talk about this technological revolution that we're inside of. Well, this is the equivalent of the Wild West for us. We don't know. And we're learning as we go. We're learning what works and what doesn't. And if our bodies, we have this handheld device, right? And, and yeah. it's a natural addiction. It's something to keep our brains moving. It's something to keep us entertained. It's something to connect us. And so we have this tendency to constantly have it in front of us. And without the realization, because you know we're still learning that a lot of your stress and time management comes from learning what's effective and what's not in front of that screen, that screen time. And as much as I am, obviously, obviously we're firm believers in the technology, we're, we're mm -hmm. showing that as we speak, but having a responsibility to yourself and your well-being at putting the phone down or turning off the computer or shutting the laptop up, not playing, you know, not watching TV until you fall asleep, allowing yourself to get into that new zone really has helped me on a personal level with my stress, my stress and how mm -hmm. I intake and, and that my body did need that, uh, the the rest in that way, you know, even if I wasn't asleep, having no screen time for certain amounts of time have, has really helped me adjust back into not only this reality, but that handling the stresses of this reality, mm -hmm. knowing that that is a separate reality, everything online is separate and, and allowing that to, to occur for me. So yeah, I'm just felt like bringing that up. <laughs> and, and you're right. And I think one of the things in terms of thinking about stress and how its immediate Im impact affects us, um, means that the day-to-day -day things that we do that could also be adding to the overstimulation of our brain and bodies anyway 
are much harder to detect and discern when we're in high states of stress. So I'm just going to talk for a little bit on a really basic sort of level, what is happening when we start to experience stress. So if we were going back to the, you know, the, the days of where we all lived in caves, female or male, um, and a dinosaur comes around the corner, you know, well, your body would be uh, kicking in in terms of fight or flight. So you'd start to experience a cascade of chemicals going through your system as your brain and body are working out in split seconds whether or not that dinosaur is going to be um, causing you, uh, you know, going to hunt you down and trying to eat you or whether or not you're going to fight the dinosaur or you're going to lay on the floor and freeze. So this is a very primitive response that comes from the lower part of the brain, which is one of the first parts of the brain to develop in the fetus with the baby. And it's the primitive responses that help us survive. So it is in charge of our um, the way that our body works, the way that we experience heat and cold and and those initial responses. So we'll get flooded with all those chemicals and those chemicals are designed to get our bodies moving. And this is where sometimes in history you see people have achieved massive feats because they've got these uh, stress chemicals coursing through their system. Um, and then what will happen is you'll have those biological processes, but you might not be aware of all this. Right. Um, and as you start to, especially if it's crises, something happens, can either throw you into the shock or you're walking out on the street and a car passes you really quick or, you know, someone jumps out on you or, you know, you've had news, you walk into work and you've had news that, um, that you're sacked, so you never got the job anymore. These things can evoke that stress response. And right. so what's happening is in that moment, if you're in crises, you're your amygdala, the lower part of your brain is activated and all the chemicals are coming out. But the top part of your brain, which is the prefrontal cortex that is responsible for thinking, reflecting and observing, has less use in this because you don't, you're not going to sit there and sort of think, OK, what am I going to do about this? You're normally reacting to the fast fight, flight of chemicals in your system because you, your body and brain is going run, fight or freeze. And the freeze is a, a sort of response that is less discussed in, in circles. Yeah. But where children have experienced trauma, for example, um, in their childhood and as they grow up in teens, it can be a total shutdown of the system. So it can actually look like not much is going on, but actually the whole system has gone into shutdown and it can't cope. And it's a way, it's almost like, uh, I think we've seen dogs do this. You know, they might just lie, or animals just lie there. They're being attacked. And they lie there they don't move they're immobilized and right. interestingly i have seen this in work environments some people fight shout argue rail up some people run they don't want to know you know it's it, it's over there i'm getting myself out of that space right. and it's the body that is deciding that and some people just have, uh, have lost um either it's been long and enduring and they haven't got the capacity anymore and so they start um, to shut down I've seen that in uh, very toxic work environments yeah. so that process is natural and I don't know about you Danielle but I've certainly experienced that many times absolutely and I've had all three versions of this fight flight or freeze you know and I think it depends on not only what your triggers your stress points are right yeah. but it also is the level of endurance always been 
a leaning towards the fight side of this. And we actually did a, a topic that we kind of got into a, an open discussion about fight for to fight, flight or, or freeze. Right. And I don't yeah. remember if it was the letting go episode or the empowerment episode, but either way, um, when I became so overwhelmed with the world and I wasn't attacking, you know, because that's what we feel like we have to do is attack the problem, attack the problem. What's the stressor? Mm -hmm. What's the stressor? And I had just let it all. I just, I couldn't do it anymore is when I began to freeze. And in those freezing moments, you feel very out of control. You feel very, you know, not able to take care of your your body's response systems. And that's a scary place to be, which is probably why we don't talk. The freeze talk very often is because people don't want to acknowledge that your body can go into an automatic shutdown over levels of stress. And it's, it, we see that, you know, I kind of have a little picture of the fainting goats in my head, you know, mm -hmm. when we freeze, like, oh my gosh, it's an overload on the body. And it sends you yeah. into this moment of just you could just fall down and, um, you know, stress being long-term, I could really see that when a person hits these new levels of stress and they've been enduring them, that your body just has no more fight left because you're automatically in the, your body's in this, this moment at all times yeah. that it's worn out. It's depleted that we haven't been addressing the stress issues in our life. And the moment that you freeze and you can't do anything. Is your body yeah. really screaming at you, please, please take me out of this survival mode and put me into a different mode so that when we have these stressful uh, things happen to us, we're able to respond accordingly because it is, although it is something that's innate in us, it's from our ancestors. It's just a core value that we have. It is our job as, as an evolved human to take control over these aspects and, and learn to go beyond the survival response. And, you know, that's part of what you and I have been talking about this whole time is how do we get beyond survival into a thriving response? And because when you stand and thrive, you have a new perspective and you can handle, you've moved into the center of the wheel. You're no longer on the roller coaster ride. And so it's easier for us to acknowledge our stress, take on the stress and, and take, it from this, um, caveman, you know, response and say, wait, I feel the initial response, but how should I handle this? Mm -hmm. And you're able to transition into that through the, the thrive part of our existence right now. So that's what sort of creates difference between different people. So the innate response is what everybody experiences. Right. Um, Anyone who's in a crisis will, whether they're aware of it or not, be releasing those stress chemicals in their system as the system itself prepares to fight, flight or freeze. Um, and some of the points that you made is then what demarcates it for different people in terms of their experience of that. Because one is, what's their view of stress? Do they realise it's normal? What kind of stresses have they already faced in their life? And, and did did they learn that they had gathered some tools and resources in their toolboxes to cope or are the current demands that are placed on them which can happen in a new job for example where you're where you're elevated in terms of you know you might have gone from a worker to a manager and now you're in a a, a new lear learning zone 
but now your whole competences and skills come into uh, question because you were very good at the job you did before and you've obviously got the skills to do this job but the transition itself can be really daunting and create stress as you move through that transition and the key thing also is that as you rightly say is about perceived control so one of the things that's come out of some of the just touching on the research um, in some of the things I've read is that people who have issues with pain and they're looking at pain management, older people who were moving out of their own accommodation into maybe an old person's um, setting, or even people who go in for surgery, surgeons say that they know if a patient says, I've been dreading this uh, operation all day, that some surgeons won't even follow through with the operation because they know that the stress will place the body under so much um, uh, stress in that operation that it, they're going to do much worse than people who go into that with a different mindset. And in terms of older people and pain management is when people perceive that they've got some control in some way. And actually, uh, one of the organisations that I worked with called the Human Givens, they talk about basic human needs. And one of the way in terms of mental health, you can start to understand why you're starting to have some difficulties is that all humans have needs. And so one of the first things to do as well, not when you're in crisis, so let's move away from, we've been in a crisis, we've had the stress response, and now we're getting back to some homeostasis, we're getting back to some even kill. But the idea is, is that if we're experiencing some anxiety or depression or some stress, it's our system telling us that something is off key or that we're responding in outdated ways and we need to check that. But our perceived control over our environment, our experience is key to this because where, they, where it actually some people fare worse is if they've got negative mindsets and are quite pessimistic. So you sort of need, you need an optimistic mindset as well as understanding how you function and all the things that can affect you. Now, does and, it need to be optimistic or can we sit in neutrality when, when this is happening? I, I It's a genuine question because I'm not sure. Is, is neutrality an option for those who normally have this negative mindset? If they reach neutrality, are they going to find a, a better level of, to handle stress? Um, so because most things are polarized and a lot of people experience things in terms of really stressed or uh, or optimistic and pessimistic are usually the two levels. Of course, there's neutrality. Um, but even for people who meditate every day and are very mindful and aware of the thoughts that pass through their heads, we grow up in a society where, you know, celebrating things that are good, uh, bringing out your own gifts and abilities and finding out what your own path and purpose in life is not actually sort of uh, brought out of people or celebrated no it's not celebrated yeah in fact it's the yeah. opposite we, we call them you know they're bragging or they have to be the center of attention or you know yeah. attach whatever negative yeah. to you trying to be your positive self and that, that yeah yeah that's just really the conditioning that is society that if we're not the yeah. best of the best of the best then you have no room to brag you have no room to, to be proud of yourself or to even, you know, I, I remember somebody asked me uh, when we first started this podcast, I had never met this person and they were like, what is it that you do for, what are you doing for a living? You know, our basic question asking. And 
And I told him, I was very excited. I've started this podcast. I'm working really hard. We talk, you know, about this. I've got a mental health professional that helps with all of this. And he looked me dead in the eyes and said, humble brag, I guess. And I was like, who are you talking to? Like you asked me what I'm doing and I'm excited about what I'm doing. Therefore, I'm not bragging. And even if I were bragging, I have the right to do so because I took a lot of time and effort to get to this place that I get to be proud of myself. And I just, you know, that stuck out the way he told me I was bragging because I was proud of what I was doing. Yeah. And that is how that, that the polarity of who, like what we, you know, that we are asked to be, you know, to strive to do the best of, of what we can, but then we're also told that we're not supposed to celebrate that, you know, and then we make fun of the culture being, you know, the, the participation medal, the participation trophy, right? Like that's something to be made fun of. It's not everybody deserves to be acknowledged for even getting up and participating. Yeah. yeah. It, well, it, and this is where it gets deeper because sometimes, uh, and this, so there's external stress and there's internal stress. So external stress can be that your car's broken down, you've lost your job. And so if we looked at the big stresses that most people know this, but the top one is death of a spouse, divorce, marital separation, going into prison, personal injury, marriage, and the list goes on. But as you go further down the list, we start to see that things that relate to change um, will also create some stress. So changing your habits, changing uh, residence, changing schools, changing personal habits, living conditions. So the change itself can also bring on stress in, and your body can start to go into uh, survival mode because it perceives the change as a threat. Now, if part of that change is linked to what you were saying, which is, you know, we grow up in an environment in the families that we're in, and we're lucky if we can pretty much develop our own nature and free spirit within that framework, that environment, that religion, that culture. Um, and then we go to a school that we have to sort of box ourselves into some degree. And only about 60 or 70% of children are naturally inclined to learn in that way anyway. And so some of the stress can come because we're not learning in a way that we uh, innately learn. If you're an auditory learner and you're and the teacher is talking in visual language and teacher in visual methodology, we know already there's a disconnect. So that yeah. will create stress. If you go and work in an environment where actually you've only ever really wanted to. Um... Are you still there, Danielle? I'm still here. You just I don't have your um, I just have your pretty picture up. Right. Okay. Bear with me. We've had some technical issues. I've lost. But in the meantime, yeah, exactly what you're saying. It really is, um, a, you know, part of how we are formed from childhood on is a lot of the way, the way we, we receive um, our family stress or the way our friends stress we are always taking these things in and sometimes they stick. And now we're like, this is how I handle stress because even though it's an unconscious thing, we are still picking up on other people and the way that they're handling. This is, you know, the beauty of human life is we kind of pattern each other around each other. And then, 
you know, so when we're talking stress, we're and welcome back. I see you again. <laughs> when when we are conditioned in these ways of, you know, like right. Well, for example, like the way my dad handled his stress and the way my mom handled her stress yeah. was completely different yeah. than how I'm choosing to handle my stress, but naturally conditioned unconsciously. I was mirroring the way they stressed and I was mirroring that in my daily habits, how I handled the stressors, how I would receive and then put back out the projection of the stress. And it really, we are just mirrors to everybody else. So who we choose, you know, who we don't choose as say, I was like our parents and the family we grew up in can make this really big impact on, on your response to stress. And I not, and where I'm not using this as a victim standpoint, I call it a bell curve, right? So that's where you started out on this curve. How do you get yourself to a different level on this stress point? Because we are in control of the way we handle things. And we are quite capable of, I mean, I'm living proof of the way I once handled stress versus how I handle stress. Now you can override that system. You you're, we're all quite capable of it. And even if your initial, your, your initial, you know, response is that fight, flight, or freeze, you also have this beautiful brain going on that can override that and say, wait, we've been here before that way didn't work. So let's, let's create a new pathway that will be more feasible for not only your well-being but everybody else's well-being around you how can we do this and so you know um stress is a scary thing but at the same time if you can get control over your stress you are mastering a very difficult space in the human existence yeah and and talking about childhood is uh was a really key point as well because when as you rightly say when a child grows up in a family, whether it's mom, dad, aunts, uncles, however they manage their response to the issues that are going on in their lives, whether it is they owe money, there are work issues, that will be modelled by the children to some degree where either they learn to shut down and not express themselves, but will feel the uh, stress on an internal level, or they will lash out and fight. And, and that's the thing you see. Sometimes, and because stress can actually be quite a strong experience of chemicals coursing through your system just like with anger people can get addicted to the experience of that themselves yeah and in terms of so I, I I've gone through a couple of really stressful periods in my life uh and two of them were at work and um as much as I had a lot of uh, tools and resources at my disposal some of the things that I was realizing in hindsight because as you say Hindsight is great, but at the time we don't necessarily have access to it because we get in that state. What I'd started to notice was I actually got, um, you can get into the state where you are stressed every day and your system is constantly wired to the point that I was releasing so many, so much stress chemicals that I could function, but I was burnt out. So it was a really, it was a weird experience of yeah. functioning every day and doing the job and focusing on what I was doing but at the same time I was absolutely exhausted yeah. and there will often come a crunch point for people if they don't notice the signs and where things are going in that direction so I know now if I've had a long day I get overtired as I can start to drop things and that's an indicator for me to stop and get some time out 
Um, so you've got to be able to also understand how you learn about stress, how you learn to handle your emotions and regulate them, how you respond to. So some people won't get that stress until, I don't know, something big like losing a, losing a job or getting notice on the house. Other people can get stressed because it's raining outside yeah. and you can't find an umbrella, you know. Yeah. And so that that's kind of like the times in which we need to be looking at, okay, what's going on for this? Yeah. And, and why is this so stressful? Well, part of what used to stress me out was time and being somewhere on time. And if I wasn't somewhere on time, or if we had the potential of not being there on time, even in my even if I knew that being on time wasn't the important part it still was a stress point for me. Yeah. And I would project in, in anger, like hurry up and, you know, like we're not being respectful of another person's time. And you just would, yeah. it would stress me to no end. And then I would find myself having a hard time releasing where, when I got there, of course I'm, I was on time because I didn't need to stress about that. I would already be in such these, these high, uh, these volatile feelings, I guess, would be the way I would put that. The 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 it would be so the the slightest thing could send me over the edge, yeah. and that was yeah. because I would keep breathing in the stress and finding that stressful period because yeah, then I'd be cycle. awake at least, you know. And and so it does become that addiction. At least I'm awake. At least I'm feeling something because I was feeling a lot of nothing in those time frames. And so when you feel something for the first time, be it anger, sadness, whatever, at least you're feeling, at least you're having yeah. an opportunity to feel it. And so stress can be an addiction itself. You know, you can be addicted to the feelings that it promotes for you because at least you're in a process of feeling. And yeah. although, you know, although, you know, it's not healthy for you to get stressed uh, over things that you can't control, like say the weather. Right. And it's, it's, easy to then fall into the need to control in those arenas. And a lot of the stress is coming up because we feel the need to control our environment and how it responds to us and how we, you know, we're, we keep, I always say we're leave the center of the wheel. You get on that roller coaster ride because that roller coaster ride is providing you some kind of uh, experience that you wouldn't be otherwise having because we're not taking the time to stop and enter the space that is needed to tackle stress in the way that we're in, we are deserving to tackle stress. So sometimes things escalate and speed up because the energy of the situation requires it. And it's our resistance and, uh, ways of controlling things from our previous experiences yeah. that can be the things that get in the way um so rather than free floating through it so it's a bit like if you move in house and get married you know there's, there's certain things to do but if you sit there and procrastinate they all build up and you can start to feel overwhelmed then you can have the opposite like what i was saying that in work i, I was i was going 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 and the signs then in terms of where that uh, way of living your life start to kick in is that if you are getting overly emotional over very small things. So I could get overly emotional because there was still washing up in the sink. 
you know, but it would just be one more thing that I'd go, oh. Exactly. And that's always how it feels. It's like almost like a domino effect, you know, once you're already yeah. in the zone of stress, which yeah. you live and in this reality, stops. you've been there, you know, yeah. the smallest six- inconvenience can send you into fight or flight. Right off. Yeah. 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 And even, um, and one of the difficulties is, is if the stress has been going on, because really reactive stress should be over and done with in a few days or a few weeks. And um, But if it's been prolonged, um, so you're living on the adrenaline and you don't realise, you just at it, you know, you keep going at it. Normally you only realise once you go on holiday, you realise that for the first week you're so exhausted, you don't want to go out and explore. But when you're emotional like that or easily uh, getting emotional, especially if you're not usually an emotional person, um, if you find that you're waking up at three or four o'clock in the morning and the reason for that is actually the brain has a job when you sleep because the brain has to process all of the information that's come in at it on a day-to-day basis if you're overwhelmed with stress your brain hasn't got the capacity to cope with all the incoming information so then that's when it starts doing it in dreams so the dream state is the body and the brain's um a natural mechanism in which to process all the information that it's experiencing but if you start waking up at three or four o'clock in the morning now some people do because they want to meditate and it's the time that the sun is rising and that feels right that's different but if you're waking up with loads of ideas in your head or having conversations that you know you may have started the day before and you are exhausted and you're waking up uh out of a, a, a scary demanding a challenging dream then these would be the signs that actually you are you know if you had to look at you're feeling all right and you're really stressed over here you are moving right over into the stress zone and this is where the red flags go up and for me it'd be things like tripping up forgetting my keys um writing on bits of paper as you know I can be a little bit chaotic but it gets even more chaotic right not remembering things and if you know yourself quite well, you might notice what some of those triggers are. And then it's about what's important. And so what we're going to look at as well is some of the key things that can help um, once you understand how, how you experience stress. So the first question is, how do you experience stress? Then it's what other events in your life have been stressful? And is it like what you said, Danielle? that in some of them you ran, in other of them you fought or got angry, in others you you rolled back and couldn't respond at all. Because people may find, yeah, because people yeah. might find. And it's it's really bizarre because I've had all three as well. And yeah, I, it wasn't a conscious choice to go, I think nope. I'll do it like that way in comparison to that way. And often it's your intuition and your innate uh, capacity to, to survive will kick in. So have a look at and also think about where have you made changes in your life that at the time were incredibly stressful. Yeah. But what were the tools and resources that you harnessed and utilized? Did you talk to a friend? Did you go and see a therapist? Did you have some time out and go to a spa? Did you practice mindfulness and meditation? Did you scream and shout? Did you write a letter? What were the things that you did when you experienced stress and as you started to move through it that actually seem to work because some of those will still apply and sometimes we've got to add things on top because underneath the stress sometimes as you said you are starting to move in towards anxiety now Mm -hmm. anxiety is 
a component but also separate because you can feel anxious and not stressed right but that can if you are an anxious person it can feed into the stress because what anxiety is often about is you're trying to predict the uncertain future yeah. and it creates a lot of uh unease because it's very hard to do that or you're working on all the what ifs but the what ifs are from that negative mindset not from the what could be beautiful mindset and it, and very few people i don't know what the percentage is but based on our cultural uh, influences are much more likely to look at what could go wrong and disaster disasters because we've had several world wars you know we've had cold wars we've had uh, all these things happening in politics and now we're having you know a global pandemic well of course the future is uncertain which is what is driving us to want to talk about mental health and well-being because yeah. how do you sustain yourself right in times like this how do you stay in the center of the wheel and I love that metaphor because I often have felt this chaos around me a bit like the Charlie Brown character yeah who, I can't as remember the stinky yeah he drags well, his blanket it's funny because as you were talking I, I drew like, this is how I viewed stress, right? You're the center point or you're the circle, right? And if you remain in the center, this stress almost doesn't penetrate. But the more we exit over here to the edges and start to find out why all these stresses, like what, you know, reaction to all the stresses when the chaos, it's like the chaotic lines all around you. And the more you can return to your center, the more you can focus on what you can control and at the same time releasing those things that you cannot control yeah. you'll find yourself slowly entering the center of the will and much less affects you much less you're able to, to cope with stress in the ways that our body is designed to without putting any more pressure on it or consistency yeah. in that zone because Although I, I respect stress as the, as what it is, I do, I have, you know, a lot of respect for the reason we have it, the, the purpose behind it. I do know that stress isn't like any other, any emotion, stress is not something to live inside of. It is not a place to reside. It is not a place to unpack your bags in. And although you don't have to go running from stress, it really is a great indicator in the way that you're receiving stress and how you're putting that back out. Like you had said earlier to really take note of that because inside of that is a message and inside of that message is a cure to help heal that aspect of yourself. And the more we come into contact uh, of ourselves and our self-awareness and say without judgment, without judging ourselves, this is how I respond to stress. There's not have, there's no judgment behind that. This is just how you respond to stress. Okay. This is how I respond. Now, how do I make the changes so that maybe yeah. my initial response says, yes, continue that path that you've always done, but maybe my new override can say, is this, is this within my control? Right. How can I respond in this moment? And I don't mean these external stressors like uh, there was just a car accident. I don't mean that. I mean, in our day-to-day -day activity, stress, our work life, our home life, the, the things that we add to our plate every day because it's the society we live in now, you know, what can I do to help me release these perceived controls that don't exist? And you'd be amazed at how quickly the stress points start to, to soften. <laughs> yeah, so I, I was thinking as you were talking of giving some examples of the common stresses that I've come across. 
Uh, yeah. Because I think when people can relate to the stories, they might realise actually, because there's so many different ways that stress can manifest. Stress can manifest even if you be laying in your bed doing nothing. Yeah. You know, because you can, we can all wind ourselves up or replay situations that were stressful at the time. Because as we've said before, the brain can't distinguish between really what's facts and, you know, what's reality and what is is a vision in your head. So I'm going to think of some examples. So whoever's caretaking the children. So if we're thinking of, um, say it's mom and she's at home and she's got some little ones. So she's got a couple of kids under five and maybe was a career woman and has now got children and one of the kids is sick and is sick a lot so she's traveling from doctors she's up at night the child is experiencing symptoms but nobody can really pin their finger on that as well as the day-to-day -day stuff of getting the kids in the car to the shops in the day without the traffic without all of those things yeah. so on a very basic level being at home with the kids for example like that um without all of the other sessions that you want to get them introduced to like piano or ballet or reading or jamborees or going down to the park and all of these things that we organize in our lives that we add on top of the day-to-day -day things um some people will rise to that and flow through that and take it all under the wing and you'll hear phrases like that and other people will be able to do a proportion of it and then it gets too much so at that point, it um, you, the state, the stopping point and the capacity to relax, uh, reflect is important, but you've got to create the space to do it. Right. Let's take a different example. So you're working in an environment and you've maybe worked somewhere for a few years and um, you've been promoted and everybody recognises what skills you've got. You're excited, you're getting a pay rise, you're telling everybody, and then the reality is on Monday morning, you've got these emails coming through using words you've not recognised before, asking you to go to meetings you've never been to, to talk to people in the meetings or on Teams and you struggle to manage tech, or you've been asked to write a report and you don't really know what, whether or not how to do that. What are the kind of things that go through people's minds? Can I do it? I've never done that before. I'm rubbish at writing reports. I wish I wouldn't have taken this job. I was excited for it, what we're taking on. And people won't necessarily realise that both, whether you've got the young children now, you're moving through those spaces with children or you've taken that new job on, that you're going through a transition. You're going through the model of who you were and you're going through a growth spurt. So the stress yeah. itself is releasing the chemicals because your body's going, ah, oh, I don't know what's happening here. But that can be short term and it can be temporary because the key component for both those people is to look at what their needs are. So if you go into the work environment, it might be that you need a coach or a peer mentor that can support you through that process. You need to be able to trust people. You need to be able to ask that it's OK, because it's quite normal when you go through a growth spurt that you need some support you're developing new competences and skills. If you're a parent, it might be that you get someone over so you can just have some sleep or that you have a partner that cooks for you sometimes, or that you shop online and you don't get it delivered, or you take the pressure off yourself to have a house that looks like a shiny new pin. So some of that is external demands, but the internal demands will be our ways of viewing that, that our neck either uh, our internal dialogue will certainly uh, feed into that. So there are lots of different, if you're in a crisis, if you if someone's just died in the family or there is there is a car accident 
you know, that's happened. And you've got to go out and assist in that. That stress will help you stay focused and alert. Yeah. Yeah. But you've also got to have good emotional regulation so that you don't overspill. So you can. So a lot of people in emergency services may feel all those things, but they harness it enough so that they can remain focused and support. Yeah, those. they override that a survival aspect of it. Yeah. They override it and have created the new pathway that allows them to remain focused and use that stress to their benefit as opposed to their detriment. And that's kind of what my whole point has been this time is like, we do have this level of control over ourselves and, and, and it's easy inside of a very stressful as a person who has done it themselves inside of stressful, long-term enduring stress to become the victim of it and forget who you are and the power you hold. And, you know, when we're leaving, when we're transitioning environments, you know, that, that, what you had referred to as the positive or the negative mindset will change your existence. If you decide to step into, to a new transitionary period of, you know, work or, you know, like a new job, a new home, uh, bringing a baby into the house, you know, if we can step into this and, and have a, a more, a positive outlook. Like I, I might not know what I'm doing as a first time mom or inside Mm. of this new job field, or I don't know if my neighbors are going to be nice. Um, I can at least say I have high hopes that this is all going to work in my favor and and that, yeah, yeah, and everything I'm doing is going to be in a good place for me because I made these choices in some form intuitively, and I'm going to need to to up the ante by having a positive thought process to get to that next space. And it's really important that we know that we have that level of control. And then as you were talking about keeping the perfect home, look guys, I'm, if you, if some people, it relieves stress to, to clean for me, it brings up stress to clean. It's just the way I respond to, you know, this, this world. And um, when I stopped comparing myself to how yeah. everybody else lives or how I see it in the television shows or how I'm reading it in the magazines, I realized that that level of stress was so unnecessary. And my, and I had to let go of the perfectionism of keeping yeah. the house at this certain visual level that I had and yeah. let go of that need to control that and just have like a consistency. And it really changed how I'm able to keep my household, you know, looking the way I personally want it to look without having that level of stress eating away at me at all times to keep it up the way I envisioned it should be. But you're highlighting some of the key components as well is what the expectations we have of ourselves and what we think people have of us. Um, And people do compare and contrast and people do question how you live your day and, you know, and and how you dress your kids and all of those. And we're often exposed to the sort of social gaze, which adds to that pressure. So you've got to be quite a strong and hardy person or, or get to the point where, and often people do get to crises or, and I've had burnout a couple of times because I've not won recognize the signs in my body I've not had the support sometimes necessary in order to do the job and take my foot off the gas and what can happen and this is the downside of prolonged stress in the short term it's good it gets us mobile and it gives us what we need in order to do the thing that we need to do at that moment 
Long term, though, it is so disastrous on the, on human health in terms of heart, in terms of raising um, blood sugar levels and uh, blood pressure. Yeah. You yeah. know, and because you stress can- is far more than a mental space, that mental space becomes the yeah. physical space, and that physical space begins to really show up in all arenas of your life because you yeah. live in stress. Now you have high blood pressure. Now you have, as you said, maybe your, your sugar loads are off. Maybe it's creating anxiety. Maybe it's creating depression. All of these really, the, again, this world is very reflective in nature. And if we're not handling our, our mental capacity, our physical world will start to show that in that you, uh, you need to let go of some things you need to get in control of the things you can control and let go of the things that you can't. And I'm my, your body's going to start showing up and saying, now you have this problem and now this is going to be an issue. And now you have IBS and now you have, you know, chronic fatigue. And now you have, and as you clear stress out of your life, those things start to dissipate, believe it or not. And, yeah. uh, you know, cause I know I'm proof of that. And I know that you're proof of that in a lot of arenas, whenever we let go of these, um, these perceived controls and begin controlling the things that we can control, our mm-hmm. body has a really high response level to that. And it does take a little time, but it does happen. It's very yeah. clear. Yeah. And it can be different time levels for people. Cause actually my second bout of burnout, it took me three years to recover from the very and it was a and it was a big impact um, yeah. because it got to the point where I w- had chronic fatigue, um, and I know now with my you know the the type of personality I've got and the way that I drive myself and the way that I work and the way that I approach motherhood, there were many components in there that were conducive to just you know you're going to experience stress because yeah stress is natural yeah. But, you know, um, I, I've, I've had, you know, my fair share of stress and I've noticed that the way I handle it has changed significantly and it is an override. It's like, I don't know how else to describe it. It's like an override system that you can put into place and it takes time. And it's it takes, more automatic now. Yeah. And it takes time yeah. and it becomes, it's a focused effort, but we deserve. And I always tell people that you deserve this because you do, you deserve to override these these facilities that are not working in your favor and the more we can come back to self and the more we can be aware of self and the more we can establish our own set of guidelines not what everybody else has told us or conditioned us to believe over our life because we are unique that you know the more we can trust in that process the better you're going to handle your stress. It is okay for you to feel stressed. Life is stressful. It becomes stressful. There's moments where I'm, I, my dogs stress me out, you know, because they're just high need. And uh, I'm not a, you know, naturally a dog person. I'm more of a cat person, you know, come to me and I'll pet you and then go do your thing, (laughs) you know, and dogs don't respond to in that way. They're like, love me, all of me all the time. So, you know, that can cause my stress. But then I realized that it is outside of my control. What I can control is my response to the animals. So, okay, you need to be fed more nurturing support. I will give you more nurturing support, but when I can't give it to you, we've got to establish a boundary there because animals respond to you as well. And just allow that to be part of the way you, you move forward. What can I not control? Well, I can't control their needy behavior. What can I control? My response to their needy behavior and the stress levels automatically start coming down. Okay. 
I got it. That yeah. that's a simple, and that's a simple way of, you know, that's just my simple, simplistic form of the things that cause me stress now, because I've really done a lot of work in my stress. I have the same existence. I have yeah. the same life. I have the same stressors that approach me all the time. But your response is different. My response is so different now that I reside in the center of the will 99% of the time. And when I have to come out of that center of the will, it's with purpose. And my body can now recover from it much quicker. Like you, it took me two and a half years, two and a half years to fully recover my body from the level of stress I lived in for so long. I had chronic fatigue, like nobody's business. My lupus was acting up. My IBS was acting up and I was exhausted. And it took over two years for me to finally reach spaces that said, oh, I have the energy to do this. And even like my kids missing the bus wasn't causing an undue amount of stress because I didn't have to carry all of that weight to even get in the car and drive him to school anymore. You know, now it's like, Oh, okay, this happened. Cool. Whatever. Let's get in the car, take you back, take you to school. We'll, and I'll come back and it's done. And yeah. I don't have to sit in that stress anymore. It's eye opening and life changing. And I think when you've been to the point of where your system actually stops functioning well, because they reckon that, you know, it's been going on for at least seven years before your system gets to that point of um, where you start to develop some serious illness. So even though I had a set of symptoms that looked like, you know, MI or, you know, um, chronic, uh, chronic fatigue, that the outcome of, of that actually shifting for a while, I thought, well, that's it. You know, I am consistently exhausted, need to sleep and can't function. Um, and I think the turnaround for me, and I think anyone who's in that position where they're developing an autoimmune issue um, or they've got a chronic fatigue experience and they're sleeping a lot and they've got no energy and they're lethargic, um, having your vitality robbed of you in your day-to-day life is is really, really uh, difficult experience to have. Um, and sometimes the demands are still there. You know, I still children to take to school and bills to pay and things to cook and you know bits of work to do and I did go back to work too early I know that um so that's really difficult when you get to that place but what I do know uh, in terms of all the things that we talk about in terms of tools that can help people is the things that I started to apply were over long term because you don't sometimes you take away the thing that has been stressing you so for some people that can be a partner it can be the job it can be a relative that you've been looking after that's sick. Um, but I was reading some research that for people who've been living with, who have someone who's got dementia, when that person's passed, the, the average time span for them to recover and um, not be stressed or fatigued or ill is 18 months. So our two to three year period, six within wow. sort of average timeline. And I, I remember when I removed the stress that was going on the second time, because I'd barely recovered from it the first time. I had about a three, two year window before it hit me really hard. And when I removed that, it was an external stress at the time. And I thought I was just gonna bounce up and recover and I didn't. And that was a real shock. And it took me uh, a long time. I was never able to go back in the gym and, and work out like I did. And actually it was crazy at the time because I was still trying to work out to the same degree that I was working out 
with all of those other We are <laughs> slaves to our routines, you know, <laughs> we can't really so do hard. that to ourselves. <laughs> yeah. So, um, what are some good ways for people to, I mean, we can do our research on our own and look up long-term stress and do all of these things, but what are some impactful ways to handle stress as it comes up in the moment, as we are trying to rewire ourselves? So the first thing is, if you're in a crisis and you've got respond, that is very different from the day-to-day stuff. And the day-to-day stuff, as we've already said, we'll experience it in different ways for a variety of reasons. Either it is a big thing, you know, and we, we've lost our jobs and all the bills are piling up and all that. Of course, that's going to be stressful. Right. Um, one of the things to look at um, is actually what needs we've got, what needs aren't being met. Um, so is it that we've got an overemphasis on work, but we nav- we're not having enough play? Is it that we are trying to balance absolutely everything in our lives and, and we need to ask for help? Is it that, um, you know, we need to uh, create a new budget so that we can get on track and not worry about this all the time. So first of all, is looking at the needs and what's missing in your life, because also that is very key when looking at anxiety and depression as well. So depression can be an experience of this accumulated stress mm-hmm. that your body is so exhausted. You do have to go to sleep and you have to let go uh, in those moments. And you don't want to get so ill that you do end up needing to seek, you know, uh, psychological support or in-house treatment because that's the end you know the end result we don't want people to get to that phase um so that's the sort of the, the big stuff what can help if you tend to feel stressed on a day-to-day basis are you working so hard at what you're doing whether that is parenting at home or the job that you've got and what is it that's creating that stress? And sometimes what can help is that you have a journal. So you so you log in the day where you're feeling calm, relaxed, uh, in control, mani- able to manage your work. And then you'll start to look at what parts of the day that stress uh, increases. If you've got something to compare it with, some people, like I gave the example of where they get uh, a new job, it may well be that you have to do some self-talk and say, of course, it's stressful when you start a new job, as exciting as it is, because I'm going through a growth period. And it's yeah. a bit like when you just had a baby, I would say to new mothers, this is a transition. If They won't always be waking you up five times in the night. They won't always be disturbing your sleep. It's a state and a transition that you're going through. So how can you buffer against that? What things can you drop? What um actions that you deploy are detrimental to you in this time period and are, and then what are your coping mechanisms if your coping mechanisms are uh taking drugs illegal or otherwise or drinking there's only a short-term benefit of that and it, it may well be that you need to look at is it that i need to talk to somebody is it that i'm lacking resources and tools is it that actually i did learn it was modeled in the way that you talked about with my family so having a journal to log your experiences and uh, and and see where the pinch points are in your day, if you're getting them. If it's chronic stress, you, you do really, it is useful to go and talk to somebody else. Yes. The key thing that's going out of all the research, and I bang on about this pretty much in every arena I'm in and every podcast we do, is you have to learn to breathe again. 
Because yeah. the thing with stress is you'll hold your breath, you'll hold it at the top. And I didn't realise when I was at a really stressful point in work, I used to be sat on the laptop like that, banging away at the keys and then go, <gasps> not realising. Not realising anything. <laughs> yeah, you've basically been holding your breath or doing short yeah. breaths and our bodies need us to have a consistent, deeper breath. Well, oxygen. Yeah, because yeah. it does. It, 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 it reflects in the way like you feel tight. Now your body feels tight. Now your brain is yeah. slowly but surely frenzying because yeah. it's starting to shut itself down and you're not thinking as clear. And in that moment that you take the deep breath, it's like, oh, I'm here and now again. Yeah. So yeah. if you're in a if you're in a stressful environment, for example, whether you're at home with the kids running around or you know living in a in a hustle and bustle family or you're at work, um, what the research is showing is that you don't just do one thing a week. You don't just go to a spa one day a week and then the rest of the time you just remain in stress. You've got to start applying consistent uh, uh, changes in behaviour. So it might be that you do one thing. And one of the things I say to people that can be quite key is that you just find five minutes a few times in the day to focus on your breath, to start taking in smooth, deep breaths. And if you don't know how to do that, there's so much on YouTube now and so many sites yeah. uh, given to some really basic relaxation skills right. and it isn't necessarily to get you into a meditative zone so that you wear a sheet and go and sit in a temple all day this exactly. is about reorientating yourself when you talk about the wheel and the chaos and the interesting thing is if you wake up in the morning and you're already getting floods of thoughts about stress it's because you went to bed thinking about all that stuff right. so your brain will sort of take you back to where you were uh, the previous night what Abraham Hicks talked about a lot in every one of their um, talks and videos is um, you only have about 15 seconds when you wake up in terms of all the thoughts that are coming into your head to choose whether or not you hook into the stress thoughts of what kind of day is it going to be? I hope she's not going to be at work because that was horrible yesterday. I've got that. It only takes about 15 seconds. And it's a bit like the egg timer. All of a sudden, if you allow that thought process to kick in, then all of those thoughts will flood in, a bit like the sand flooding in. And yeah. you will then have every other thought and every other stress and every conversation that is irritated you. And Dave didn't do this and Susie didn't do that. And she's done. And all of these internal conversations will come in. If you wake up and you're feeling it, you do have a window of opportunity to work on your state, state yeah. management, NLP talks about this all the time. You stand up and you you breathe into your body and you ground yourself through whatever method. And you look out your window and uh, you you aim to look at something that is pleasing to the eye. You, you put stickers around your mirror if you need reminders of positive quotes, pictures that you had taken with people of really really beautiful times you went away you went out for dinner with them you know you did all these different things so you put these things around you have your your journey and that is just the start of the day yep. you know that's the first step and and they're basic things that you, do, you can do but we're sort of moving into the behavior management now this is right. about this creating is about new habits 
Well, so in what, what I keep hearing from you is, you know, how much control we really do have inside of this and, and what feels like we're vulnerable and victimized in our existence could actually be the thing that you can grasp control of. So when you're falling asleep at night, practice, hey, let's, let's, let's redirect the thought, right? Let's redirect the thought. Let's get into a more neutral to positive environment as I'm falling asleep. So that when I wake up, I'm not naturally waking up into where I fell asleep at. When I wake up, say I couldn't overcome that last night, I'm going to make it a point today to overcome that. And even if the flooding of thoughts that are all negative come through, we are in control of saying, let's redirect that thought and doing it in whatever form it looks like to you. You know, for you, it's standing up, grounding, looking at something beautiful or something that's inspiring to you, right? You know, others, it could be that they can take control and say, well, yeah, okay, I woke up with this conversation in my head, but instead I'm going to think about what I'm grateful for in my existence and, and redirect that way. Mel and I are not saying that this is easy work, but we are saying this is work that's worth it. And it's worth it in a very real way. And it's worthy of you taking the effort that you do, the same amount of effort you're using to stress yourself out. You can redirect that into improving yourself, becoming more self-actualized, becoming more self-aware and being in that moment. And some of the things that I do is the breath work. And that can be as simple as uh, everybody at this point has pretty much heard of box breathing. We also have different forms of that. It's the, you know, I love that. I call it the five by five by five, which is the breathe in for five seconds. You hold for five seconds, you release it for five seconds and you do that three times. And then immediately you can clap, you can snap your fingers, you can let out an audible laugh, you can have your thought patterns become something new. And it really does help you override the natural position you are in, in the moment and give you back your control over self. Yeah. That is the one thing we really can control is ourself. And it's not easy for everybody, but it's also, if it was easy, everybody would be leaving, leading a stress-free experience. And that's just not the case. So again, this isn't easy, but it's worth it. And we are deserving of this. And we deserve to have a, a freer thought process, a clearer mind, and a body that's not rejecting the negative and toxic thoughts that are going on. We are deserving of living a life that remains in the center of the will because it is up and down and you're going to come across stressors and you're going to come across things almost daily that can send you spiraling. And it is our job as an individual to say, I deserve not to spiral anymore and then do whatever it takes to stop spiraling in as healthy of a pattern as you can do. Yeah. And I think your key point is, is that if you're feeling really stressed, then the, whether you're overwhelmed or you're just feeling that stress built up, because it depends on how aware you are to start with, um, you need to sit back and focus on your breath and work on just letting things go uh, for that time period so that you can start to, if you haven't experienced it before, you will start with practice to experience more peace, more calmness, because if you haven't, if, if you haven't felt it for a while or ever felt it at all, peace, calm, neutrality, then it's very difficult to know why, why say focusing on your breath, chanting, doing some yoga is actually beneficial. Right. But if we think that our systems from the moment we wake up till we go to sleep 
are constantly being sparked and activated. And in particular, if we're getting really hyper aroused because we've had a conversation with somebody that often this is to do with past relationships will trigger us. Our system is going into a constant state of hyper arousal. We owe it to ourselves to learn some basic techniques. And that five, it, it can be five, five, five. It can be seven, 11. I think the five, five, five is probably better because if you've not been breathing well for a while, it's actually quite hard to, hard to breathe in for... And that's how it needs to be done. And it takes um, it, it takes about three breaths at least to switch the, uh, I think it's parasympathetic nervous system over to the sympathetic nervous system, which enables us to now release endorphins rather than stress chemicals. And so with that constant practice, and again, it's refocus your mind in the morning in terms of creating the state that you want. Apply anything at all in your environment that will help elicit good feelings to remind you, because we need reminders. Have some points in the day, even if it's um, once every couple of hours, where you just put a timer on your phone and then remind you to sit back and focus on your breathing. Because when you take that focus onto your breath, you can notice whether or not you've been holding your breath or whether or not you start yawning a lot, you know, when you uh, do do that. And then start to put some practice in your week, whether that is going for a walk in nature, because nature itself, in terms of uh, that environment, will dissipate some of that chaos that is in our aura. Because if we've got that in our energetic field, we are going to notice and see more uh, stress around us. Yeah. Well, and the Earth's pulse is a natural healer. You know, like we, there's science backing grounding, and there, you know, and the, and the way it, it discharges the negative ions and. And so this is a real thing. Like there's science backing this. This yeah. isn't some esoterical, you know, it, my connection to spirit was founded on me needing science backed. And I didn't want to yeah. be too far over into some, you know, non-reality that's here. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so we are going to be tackling a lot, but you're also going to notice that Mel and I are going to have a lot of the same advice. And the reason why is because it works because these things that we do, these consistent behaviors, the, the breathing, the yoga, the NLP, the, all of the things that we are, we sound like, you know, they're powerful powerful and they're powerful and simple. And that's sometimes the best way to go about it. (laughs) It's hard to wrap your head around, isn't it? That actually, and I thought that for years, I was like, these are really simple things and yet they're tackling some really complex issues. And if it's really hard to shift out of negative states because uh, they're chronic, then you really do need to go and talk to somebody that A, will listen to you, but also help you develop some tools that you can apply right now. Because it's a bit like when people say to me, oh, we really need to get fit. Well, they don't go to the gym. So why am I going to advise them? to go and work out for an hour and be on the cross trainer for 15 minutes and lift weights at a tw- uh, twice the, the weights of what they would even be able to lift now. It's too right. much for the body. Right. So you need to introduce people to bite-sized things that they can do. If you're in a really stressful situation and when that's over, often go to sleep and having time out will make a big difference. Yeah. Immersing yourself in a film or something. So And it depends on if it's chronic and it's been going on a long time and you're not seeing the red flags, but people are, you need need to listen and do something about that. Mm -hmm. There's no shame in asking for help. It is a human uh, experience that we have. 
coaching's quite good because coaching can sometimes help you zoom in on those. If you look at, if you research the coaching wheel, you'll see that it's a circle with uh, slices taken out like a pizza and each component, each part of that pizza will be a component of your life, children, religion, spirituality, work, finances, all of that. And you can have a look at which aspect of your life is maybe creating more stress or it might be generalised stress. People can have generalised anxiety, but not really know what that is. So first of all, accept it's normal, accept what you're feeling, accept what's happening right now. Have a look at what you control, exactly what you said and what you can't. What can you do with something right now? If you're overwhelmed because you've got 15 things on your list, choose the top three that if you did them, they would make a difference. If you sit there and procrastinate all day and you're not tackling anything, um, it's actually, it can be quite a nice feeling when at least you've got one thing off your list. And if you know that that does feel nice, that will motivate you uh, to do it next. Find time for yourself. Don't over, uh, you know, over agree to doing social activities and that this will pass and trust it will pass and yeah. trust that when you start to apply things that, have, uh, that is rooted in the evidence, which is changing your mindset, learning some CBT techniques. What were you thinking? Okay, I can't do this job. What were you feeling? Powerless and impotent. What behavior did it lead to? It made you look hunched over and people treat you differently. You change your thought, you change your feeling, you can change the behavior. But it's all practice. And me yeah. and you have talked about how much we have had to personally practice um, to make these things. I wasn't born up in a family like this. I've had to learn a lot of the things that right. I've been well, teaching. You, you know, even as naturally inclined as you and I are to this mental plane that we can live in yeah. and how we make the improvements and being self-aware and self-actualized, it still takes work to override a system designed and then conditioned inside of society. And so, yeah. you know, we're powerful beings. Take your power back, take your control back, acknowledge yourself for who you are and be nice be as nice to yourself as you possibly can be through yeah. these transitions because it can become, instead of an outward stress, it then can become something that's very detrimental to your, your well-being by, by judging your human experience. We are humans, we are here to experience, and nobody gave us the, by, the, the guidelines of how we're supposed to experience this world. Yeah. So be yeah. gentle with yourself as you are coming through these crossroads, through these transitionary times, and be okay with change because that is something that is constant, is change. Mm -hmm. Mel, thank you so much. I love listening to you talk. You are just a filled with wisdom and information. And I'm so grateful that it's me that you get to, that I get to have the experience with. Well, equally, Danielle, I have exactly the same experience that you with you. And it's a joy that we're working together. And I appreciate this because had we not both done the work, I think it would have been a very difficult or may not have even happened. Transition may not even happen for us. Yeah, yeah, I agree. So proof and proof is here. And we are proof of this and you guys can be proof of this too. Just go and yeah. shine you stars, you beautiful starlights. Let's just get this happening. But until <laughs> next time, I hope that everybody's mental health and well-being continues to be on a consistent uprise. You are deserving of it. Excellent. Thank you, Danielle. Thank you, Mel.
Ah, there she is. Okay. Oh, you're still recording. <laughs>